Thank you for tuning in to Jason DeMars Live. Every Tuesday and Friday at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Time, I teach on various biblical topics. Get in contact with me at jasondemars.com. Let me know what topics you would like me to cover in future videos. I have free books and tracks available for you to order and shipping is free as well. Make sure to subscribe and click the little bell to get notified when I post a new video. Good morning, everyone. May the Lord richly bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to continue on our topic of biblical manhood and womanhood, part three. And just remind everyone, as you just heard in the startup video, any questions or prayer requests or testimonies, please send them, uh, send them my way. I want to be a, a resource and a blessing to you. If you're listening in now, live, uh, please, please send your greetings to me as well. Uh, a few people have already done that. Sister Sarah from Edmonton, good morning. Sister Chantel from Madawaska, God bless you. And let's get started on our subject. All right. We're going, we're going to look, we're going to be looking at, um, continuing to look at modesty. Um, we talked a lot about roles of men and women and feminism uh, impacting us in this hour, the attack on God's program and, and roles for marriage has continued. And one big aspect about this is that uh, women have now put on men's clothing and are mainly focused now on outward beauty and it's a billion dollar industry outward beauty makeup uh, fashion etc and God's focus of beauty is different God's focus of beauty is not outward beauty. God's focus of beauty is inward beauty. And in God's eyes and in God's sight, uh, character is what is truly beautiful. So we want to start by looking at this verse here in 2 Kings 9, verse 30. And when Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face and tired her head and looked out at a window. So she went up out of pride of position, pride of place, being the queen, uh, really by that time the queen grandmother, and Jehu was Ahab's uh, uh, general and uh, protector. And so he rose up and began by the will of the Lord to destroy Ahab's family. And he had just killed um, he had just killed Jezebel's grandson, who was king, and here he was coming after Jezebel. So 
when she heard that he was coming to kill her, she wanted to die as a great queen. And so she put on her articles of pride. She put a tiara in her hair as the queen grandmother. And she painted her face and went up uh, to the place where royalty would receive an audience from the people. She stood up there and with proud words spoke to Jehu, uh, knowing it was her end. And here, a wo- the, the, the painting of the face is connected to ungodliness. And this is what it always is in the scripture. The Bible's clear that uh, painting of the face is connected to paganism, connected to prostitution, and ungodliness. It's never spoken of in connection with a godly woman. Ezekiel 23, 40. And furthermore, that ye have sent for men to come from far, unto whom a messenger was sent, and lo, they came for whom thou, thou didst wash thyself, paintest thine eyes, and decked thyself with or, ornaments. So again, preparing herself to commit adultery against Jehovah. This is speaking of Israel and Judah. And he's saying, you went to other nations and other gods to prepare uh, a bed of adultery for them. And by do- one part of doing that, you painted your face. From Ellicott's Bible comp- uh, commentary, it said, paintest the eyes. The figure is that of a lewd woman preparing herself for her illicit lover and awaiting his arrival, painting the eyes or rather the lids and lashes which was an ancient custom still preserved in the East and of course we understand uh, is the norm for women in the West now. Jeremiah 4.30 And when thou art spoiled, what wilt thou do? Though thou clothest thyself with crimson, though thou deckest thee with ornaments of gold, though thou rentest thy face with painting, in vain shalt thou make thyself fair. Thy lovers will despise thee, they will seek thy life. Similar context speaking about Judah and her committing adultery against Jehovah God. And here again the prophet Jeremiah is saying you you rent rentest thy face with painting you paint painted your face with makeup uh, this was connected to committing adultery straight in in the book strange scriptures to the western mind says painting does not appear to have been by any means universal among the hebrews References to it are few, and it seems to be unworthy of a woman of high character. Thus Jezebel put her eyes in painting. Scripture we read. Second Kings 9.30, Jeremiah says of the harlot city, Though thou rentest thy face with painting. Jeremiah 4.30. And Ezekiel again makes it a characteristic of a harlot. Ezekiel 23.40. So it says it was not universal among the Hebrews, uh, and its references to it are very few, and it's not becoming 
of a woman of high moral character. This is exactly right. Painting, painting the face, putting on, putting on makeup. Um, it's it's a disguise. It's it's a deception, and it's not it's not done for the sake of modesty. It's not done for the sake of godliness. It's done for the sake of attraction. And now it's done by all women of every age. And it's the norm worldwide because of what? Because of Hollywood. It doesn't come from the Bible. It doesn't come from the Word of God. It doesn't come from a desire to be modest. It comes from, its, its background is paganism. Its background is Hollywood. Its background is outward beauty, not modesty, not godliness. Greetings to Sister J. Lord bless you. Brother Megali, God bless you in Cairo, Egypt. Saint Cyprian, uh, ancient teacher of the church, makes this comment. Anoint your eyes not with the devil's antimony. Antimony was another way of speaking of uh, black eye makeup. makeup. It says, anoint your eyes not with the devil's antimony, but with the eye salve of Christ. Amen. First Peter 3, 1 through 3. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation or the conduct or the behavior of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. The word fear there means speaks of reverence, not being afraid, but it speaks of being reverent. So chaste conversation, it means uh, a godly conversation. It means it's speaking of someone who is shy and modest. Verse 3 of 1 Peter 3. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on apparel. Greetings to Brother Kenny and Sister Janelle. God bless you. So, Peter is saying, uh, the next verse says, but let it be the adorning of the heart. So God's purpose for a woman is not for her primary focus and goal in life to be the adorning of outward beauty, but it's the adorning of godliness, chastity, and modesty. That's what God is pleased with and wants to, a woman to be adorned with. All right, John Gill on 1 Peter 3.3. 3. Let's look at these, this portion of plating of the hair and wearing of gold to look at some of the history and look at godliness in regards to it. Plating the hair and of wearing of gold. Plating the hair and variously folding it about the head was the most ancient and most simple mode of disposing of this chief ornament of the female head. 
It was practiced anciently in every part of the East and uh, is so to the present day. Uh, this was written in the late 1800s. It uh, was so to the present day in India and in China, also in Barbary. It was also prevalent among the Greeks and Romans as ancient gems, busts, and statues still remaining sufficiently declare. We have a remarkable instance of the plating of hair in a statue of Agrippina, wife of Germanicus, an exact representation of which may be seen in a work of André Lenz entitled Le Costume des Pupelles de, de la Antique. Many place, plates in the same work show the different modes of dressing the hair which obtained among the Egyptians, Greeks, Romans, Persians, and other nations. Thin plates of gold were often mixed with the hair to make it appear more ornamental by the reflection of light and the solar rays. Small golden buckles were also used in different parts, and among the Roman ladies, pearls and precious stones of different colors. Pliny assures us that these latter ornaments were not introduced among the Roman women till the time of Cilia, about 110 years before the Christian era. But it is evident from many remaining monuments that in numerous cases the hair differently plated and curled was the only ornament of the head. Often a simple pin, sometimes of ivory, pointed with gold, seemed to connect the plates. In monuments of antiquity the heads of the married and single women may be known the former by the hair being parted from the forehead over the middle of the top of the head, the latter by using quite close or being quite being plated and curled in a general mass. There is a remarkable in, uh, passage in Plutarch. It says this, an ornament, as Crates said, is that which adorns. The proper ornament of a woman is that which becomes her best. This is neither gold nor pearls nor scarlet, but those things which are evident proof of gravity, regularity, and modesty. The wife of Phocion, a celebrated Athenian general, receiving a visit from a lady who was elegantly adorned with gold and jewels and her maid with pearls, took occasion to call the attention of her guest to the elegance and costliness of her dress, remarking at the same time, My ornament is my husband, now for the twentieth year general of the Athenians. How few Christian women act this part. Women are in general as much pain, as at, at as much pains and cost in their dress as if by it they were to be recommended both to God and men. It is, however, in every case, the argument either of a shallow mind or of a vain and corrupted heart. Amen. That's, a, that's amazing commentary on this case. Is, wow, my ornament is my husband. That, that was her viewpoint, is uh, that which gives me uh, blessing, and status and rank is my husband. And that's so to us as the bride of Christ, and especially sisters. They're to, be, they're to be an expression of the character of the bride of Christ. 
So how much more is their ornament, their husband? Now, again, uh, it does, the outward beauty doesn't recommend you to God. It recommends you to outwardly to men. John Gill, in his commentary, says, Whose adorning? Let it be that outward adorning. Or that only in principally, let not that be solely or chiefly attended to, nor anxiously sought after, nor ever in order to allure and to ensnare others, or to fill with pride and vanity. Nor should it be indecent and luxurious, immodest and immoderate, and unsuitable to the age status and character and station of persons. Otherwise, clothing is both convenient and necessary in a decent garb, neat and modest apparel, and what is suitable to the years, rank, and quality of persons is very commendable. Nor are we to suppose that the apostle forbids the use of what follows, but only when used in a luxurious and extravagant manner, and to feed pride and vanity and encourage lasciviousness and wantonness of plating of the hair, folding it up in curls, tying it up in knots, and putting it into the form of horns and towers made by their, by their crisping pins with their calls and round tires like the moon, as was the custom of those times, and still is. There were women among the Jews whose business it was to plate women's hair, Mary Magdalene is thought to have the, her name from thence, and that to be her business. The Jews often speak of one Miriam or Mary, by whom they seem to mean the mother of our Lord, who they say was a plater of women's hair. All right. So in that verse that we read in 1 Peter 3, he's not telling women that they can't plate their hair or put on apparel or wear jewels, but he's saying don't do it in a proud, uh, immodest manner. Do it in a modest way that becomes godliness. And of wearing of gold, or golden things, golden ornaments, as bracelets, chains, and rings, or pieces of gold stuck in the platings and folds of the hair. The Jewish women used to wear a crown of gold on their head in the form of the city of Jerusalem, called a golden city, in which they and which they wore after its destruction in memory of it, but with those they might not go out on a Sabbath day. It is said, made a golden city for his wife, and the wife of Rabban Gamaliel envied her, for it seemed this was reckoned a grand dress. Not that the sense is that everything of this kind is forbidden, but when used to excess and extravagance, otherwise the daughters of Abraham and Sarah were decked with earrings, bracelets, and jewels of gold. Uh, or of putting on of peril, apparel that is excellent or precious, as the Syriac version adds, or of great price, as the Ethiopic, that is beyond a person's ability or rank. The apostle means such apparel as is unbecoming and unsuitable, for he cannot be thought to forbid the putting on of any apparel, apparel but his sense is that women should not uh, so much regard and be so intent upon the outward adorning of their bodies with any sort of clothing, and especially such as does not become them, as the inward adorning of their minds 
next mentioned. So this is what they're referring to as next mentioned. Verse Peter 3, 4, and 5, but let, let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in, sub, being in subjection unto their own husbands. So part here the apostle is alluding to the fact that a part of a woman's subjection to her own husband is not going to extravagance in her dress to imp- outwardly impress, but to focus on being modest, to focus on godliness. And so that is really God's vision in all of this. It's, it's you know, looking at the big picture. Why, why, when talking about biblical manhood and womanhood, why would I talk about how a woman dresses and whether she should put makeup on or not? The Bible, the Bible presents these things as key to the character of a woman. A woman being under the headship of her husband, she expresses being under the headship of her husband, but uh, scripturally speaking, 1 Corinthians 11, by having power on her head. So what does that mean? How does she have power on her head? She has power on her head by not cutting her hair, by letting it grow long. A man has his position and shows his position by cutting his hair and keeping it short. All right? And so those things express your position in the home. A man to be the head, the leader, the, 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 the visionary, the, the um, overseer of every aspect. The woman to be the manager of the home and to be in subjection to her husband. Um, the, the man to be also dressing modestly, not going out in the public in, in shorts and, and uh, cut-off shirts and uh, A-shirts and these things, and dressing modestly. A uh, woman also dressing modestly, showing respect and reverence for her God and her husband, and also... Um, uh, uh, not wearing man's clothes. A woman putting on man's clothes in the sight of God is an abomination. She puts on pants. She's expressing her headship in the relationship. Um, it's very interesting. Some of the comments here that are put in the uh, spot there. Another message lying fraud asking for money. Very funny guy putting that there. Apparently I'm getting rich off of doing morning videos. <laughs> it's a hilarious statement. So may may the Lord bless you, uh, Ben Costner, for listening in. Uh, whatever happened in your life that brought you bitterness and, and anger, I'm sorry for that. Um, pray the Lord would uh, touch your heart and bless you in your your life and, and your walk with the Lord, trusting that you're still 
believing and, and trusting the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart. Um, see a few more have gotten on. Brother Herb Garcia, God bless you. Sister Mai, God bless you. Um, I, before I close, um, Sister Sarah wrote me a question about how do I explain people to people uh, how to surrender to the Lord. Um, it's a wonderful question, and I can answer that very quickly is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart. N number one, put your faith and trust in Him. Put your faith in the Bible as God's word, God's absolute, God's final authority. That's what God wants us to put our faith in. Believe every word of it from Genesis to Revelation. Trust every word of it as though your life hangs on it because it does. All right? Uh, next step is when you put your faith and trust in God is that you repent. Repent means to turn away from your sinful life, sinful lifestyle, and turn towards God and His Word to live and walk in obedience to it. Alright, so believe, repent. And part of repentance is seeking forgiveness, asking the Lord to change your heart and to forgive you, forgive you for your sins and wickedness and evil that you've committed in your life. Next is to be baptized in water uh, by immersion, full immersion, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So that's the last step is to respect Pray to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. All right, so believe, repent, be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, and go on to receive the Holy Ghost. That, that is how we surrender our lives to the Lord. And then it's really a daily surrender. Paul says, I die daily. So daily we surrender, say, Lord, my life is not my own. I don't belong to myself. I don't get to decide for myself. My purpose for my life, my purpose for what I'm living is to be pleasing to you. And I give myself away to your will and to your purpose. So hopefully answers your question, Sister Sarah. If you have any follow-ups, let me know. Um... Sure appreciate you all listening in. Trust you'll have a wonderful week. I'll see you on Friday morning. Uh, make sure you go to your midweek service. Make that a priority. Go to church. Support your local church with all your, with all your heart. Be at every service, every prayer meeting, at every Bible study you possibly can. May the Lord richly bless you is my prayer. Thank you for listening to Jason DeMar's live podcast. New episodes are posted every Tuesday and Friday. We thank you all for listening in. You can also find me on 
Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube to watch the video portion of this. May the Lord richly bless you. Thank you.